0: And welcome to PDA, Neurodivergence, and the Perpetually Determined Advocate. I am your Perpetually Determined Advocate, Cassandra. This is a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to raising awareness and acceptance of PDA, or Pathological Demand Avoidance, which is a lesser-known part of the autism spectrum. My hope for this podcast is to provide a place of learning and growth, as well as a platform for pda professionals, parents, family members, and others with neurodivergence to speak out on this condition and their own, as well as providing resources for those who want to learn more. If you or someone you know would like to come on and use this platform to tell their story, please contact me at perpetuallydeterminedadvocate at gmail.com. Now... Let's launch into this episode's topic. This time, I wanted to combine the podcast with a love of mine, books. When I first heard about PDA, I did the historian thing and started researching. I read articles, books, and digested the entire PDA Society website and its resources. I've mentioned some of them in previous episodes, but this time I wanted to provide a list of books that dive a bit deeper into PDA and the experience from varied perspectives and for varied reading levels. So let's look at a few of them, shall we? First up, As always, PDA Paradox by Harry Thompson. I can never talk enough about this book. I gained more insight and understanding into what was happening with my son by reading it. It's the direct and honest presentation. He lays out how his life played out, the good and the bad, and explained how he was driven to certain actions by his inner Loki, which is a term that I've often used when explaining some of the things that my own child does that may seem off-putting to others. Uh, Harry's perspective cannot be emphasized enough. It's absolutely brilliant. Next is PDA by PDAers, compiled by Sally Cat. This one is truly unique and is aimed at helping adult PDAers. The beauty of of it is that it was compiled from a PDA group board as Sally Cat introduced various topics to the group. So other adults with PDA proceeded to respond with how they experienced various parts of the PDA characteristics and to what degree. And Sally Cat kept the discussion style in the book and presents this window into conversations to help others see how PDA affects other adults, because I often talk about children, but not so much adults. Um, This is also amazing for helping maybe undiagnosed adults to recognize things they've always brushed off as quirks in their own life or things that may have been overlooked because of the lack of understanding Of PDA previously um, and perhaps seek a diagnosis for themselves because as we've mentioned previously a diagnosis doesn't fix anything but it does give you the torch it does give you that better understanding of this is why this I do these things this is why you know these certain things affect me in this way Um, and so it can help to that extent with understanding yourself Um, and perhaps gaining some accommodations that you may need in your everyday life. On the topic of parenting a child with PDA, We have uh, the first one I want to talk about is this book called My Daughter Is Not Naughty by Jane Allison Sherwin. Um, I can relate to this one as a parent who's had to explain to people over and over that my child is not naughty. My child is not manipulative. Um, He's not doing these things on purpose, right? Um, Ms. Sherwin's book starts well before the diagnosis of PDA um and then takes us through the early years of raising her daughter molly um, noticing signs that there was something different happening with her the struggles for finding a diagnosis and more finding a diagnosis that actually fit um, which is something i think a lot of us parents who have gone through this process can relate to um you know having the professionals who may not be aware of PDA saying, okay, well, it's this. Um, and you're like, no, you know, as a parent, you can tell when there's something more going on. You spend more time with your child than someone who sees them for, you know, an assessment visit does. And so she highlights too in there. Like, the areas where she saw the PDA behaviors, the struggles that they had with, you know, school and getting a plan in place that best suited Molly's learning style and her PDA, right? And she also talks about the effect that PDA has had on their family. This is an issue I've yet to cover on the podcast, but it's one that, I mean, this is a, you know, it is a pathological condition. It's something that is hardwired into the person. And so at times, whenever you have meltdowns or shutdowns or things like that, it does affect more than just that one person, right? It does affect the family. Um, and I don't mean that in a negative way, in any way, I'm not trying to, you know, in any way, speak negatively towards people with neurodivergence. Um, but it, you know it does have an effect and you do have to sort of adapt your family life to you know the fact that this you know these people may be neurotypical this person is neurodivergent so you have to find the common ground just the same way that you do with other differences in family members right that's part of what you do as a family so she talks about that um which is a topic I would like to get into uh, on a later episode as well. So this book, it's a great book for parents of PDAers out there. Uh, There's also, at the beginning, a foreword by Phil Christie, um, and he works at the Elizabeth Newsom Center. Uh, The the doctor, you know, it's named after the doctor who first identified PDA as this separate profile of autism, Um, and so he provides... Some of that professional input before Miss Sherwin gets into her personal experience with her daughter. Um, there's also uh, an interview towards the end with her daughter as well, uh, so you get to to hear from Molly as well in this book. Um, another spin on parenting and caring for PDA is a book called "It's a Panda Thing." A Visit to My World of Pathological Demand Avoidance by Rachel Jackson. Um, This book is a bit of a combination of voices. It is the third actually from Miss Jackson and it follows her introduction to PDA through the diagnosis of her eldest child um, and sort of the struggle that PDA can be for both parent and child finding, you know, the best way to parent a child with PDA and of course the struggles that children have when they're sort of learning to um, identify the anxieties and the triggers for that anxiety. Um, And the struggles also, especially when it comes to accommodations, Uh, that's something you've heard me talk about a lot. accommodations for school because of the fact that PDA is not in the DSM, you can't really get PDA specific accommodations. You have to sort of rely on people being willing to make those concessions um, because without it being an actual diagnosis in the DSM um, there's nothing that sort of legally binds someone to providing those specific accommodations. Um, But it's not only her voice that's present in this work though. Um, the foreword was written by Harry Thompson, right? Uh, our sort of paragon for (laughs) PDA experience. Um, but there are also notes from, uh, members of the PDA society carers, um, contained in this as well. So you get sort of a, a varied look into caring for someone with PDA, um, and one of the things that the title kind of uh, hints at is the, uh, the PANDA approach that the PDA Society puts forward. Um, the letters stand for, uh, it's P for Pick Battles, A for Anxiety Management, N is Negotiation and Collaboration, D is Disguise and Manage Demands, and A is Adaptation and sort of, To explain those a little bit, picking battles is this idea of you know choose what you're gonna fight someone on, especially someone demand avoidant, right? Um, minimize demands where you can. Enable some choice and control. You know, when it comes to my own experience, I will, when it's time to get dressed, I'll lay some clothes out on my, my son's bed and I'll say, Hey, I laid some clothes out for you um, in your room. If this isn't me telling him, go get dressed. This is me saying, Hey, there's some clothes laid out and he can go in there and he can choose which ones he wants. You know, sometimes I'll say, Hey, what do you want to wear today? Right? Just allowing some choice and control, giving him, you know, bringing him in as part of that, because this isn't me trying to, you know, cater to my son. This is me, you know, actively trying to not, engage his anxiety um, and not, you know, trigger any of that. And one of the things, too, with picking battles is accepting that some things just cannot be done. Some things will trigger that anxiety, will force your um, your loved one, whether it's a, a child, a partner, a, a parent even, um, it's going to trigger that anxiety you could have them go into fight flight freeze mode right Um, and at that point you just you can't do it and you have to accept that right that is part of the acceptance of the condition itself um the a first a was anxiety management so reducing uncertainty is a big deal Um, this is a profile of autism and uncertainty and transitions can be a real problem for um people with various different types of autism because of the uncertainty that comes along with it. Transitions can lead to uncertainty, can lead to anxiety, can lead to meltdowns so reducing uncertainty and you know really bringing them into it. When my son was going to have to change schools after you know when his IEP was put into place one of the things that we did was before he had to go we took him to the school let him walk around. We let him you know see the new school, see where his new classroom was going to be. He met his new teacher, this reduced that uncertainty, it eased that transition for him Um, and part of that too is recognizing your Uh, the underlying anxiety, the social and sensory challenges. Are you going somewhere that's going to be really bright or really loud or have really strong smells, right? Very often people with PDA have sensory issues. So you have to be mindful of those things. Think ahead. Consider those ideas. Consider anything that could be a problem. And always, always treat meltdowns like panic attacks. These are not fits. This isn't someone throwing a tantrum. This is an actual panic attack this person's you know the anxiety is heightened and they are for all intents and purposes feel they are under attack so you need to treat them as such right and that kind of brings in the next one right negotiation and collaboration keep calm keep a steady tone of voice they need you calm they are you know the anxiety is also tied to that fear. They need someone calm, something they can cling to as they begin to bring themselves back from this meltdown, right? Work with them, collaborate, negotiate to solve challenges. You know, don't say, okay, well, you just have to do this, right? Be mindful of the fact that they're hitting a brick wall, they can't go any further. So if you can't go through it, find a way around it. Find a way over it. Talk to them. See if there's something, you know, what what can we do? How can I help you, right? Work with them in the place where they are. Don't just try to yank them through because very often that's going to escalate matters and that is not, you're, you're still not going to meet your goal, right? So you need to work with them to collaborate with them and find a way through. And then you have like fairness and trust comes into this one a lot the person has to trust you if they're going to work with you and if you constantly violate their boundaries and you know treat their meltdowns as fits or anything of that matter if that person does not trust you they cannot work with you and you will not get through that situation right the D is disguise and manage demands and we've talked about um, you know whenever I did the introduction to uh, PDA, i talked about, you know, minimizing demands or, you know, just rewording them and wording is a big deal. You know, whenever I say things like, Hey, um, you know, I laid your clothes out for you or, Hey, um, you know, what do you want to wear today? That's rewording it. That's making the demand an indirect thing that helps to with, with, you know, sort of disguising and, and managing demands. Um, But also understanding that sometimes I can say, hey, go put your shoes on so we can go. I can at times make demands. You just basically, you have to be mindful constantly of the tolerance for demands that the pda or in your life has. Because sometimes you can say things like, hey, let's go, or, um, you know, go brush your teeth, or whatever. Like you can make those everyday demands at times, right? Hand me that, whatever. Because sometimes you have a higher tolerance for demands. Sometimes there's absolutely zero tolerance for demands. These things happen. It's not a hard and fast rule, right? Um, sometimes it's it helps if you will say, hey, you know, let's uh, let's do this together, you know. Then it's it's not an outward, you know. There's it's a collaborative effort, right? And then the last a is adaptation right humor distraction novelty role play um i've at times you know said oh let's see who can do this faster right let's let's try a race um my son's dad is the king of using humor to sort of de-escalate Right. Whenever my son will start to get you know, whenever he starts to uh, get anxious and get panicky or maybe get a, a little demand avoidant. You know, his dad is is great about using humor or tickling him or, you know, going into a game that will bring him back. Right. That will help to, to deescalate that. And that's that's something that's really useful, especially with kids. Right. Um, but also the adaptation deals with having being flexible, having a plan B, um, you know, having an exit strategy, you know, knowing that, again, that goes into some of the other ones like thinking ahead and accepting that some things can't be done. You know, what happens if you can't do this? So all of these really tie in together, um, and that's sort of why the title talks about panda because panda is this. Uh, you know, sort of set of strategy strategies, but it's also the um, so the mascot for the PDA society as well. So I really, I really like the way this book was prevented, uh, presented. Rather, sorry. Uh, a tool for teachers is the teacher's introduction to pathological demand avoidance. Essential Strategies for the Classroom by Claire Truman. Um, This book is for my fellow educators, right? Other school staff can be helped by this as well. Um, It starts with an introduction to PDA and the effect it has on students' educational experience. Um, But then it also goes into some useful strategies that school staff can implement to build a collaborative relationship with pupils Um, and help them really to thrive in that school environment. You have activities that are presented in there that aim to make children more comfortable and at ease, and therefore better able to learn. Um, It covers a lot of key issues for children with PDA, things like sensory issues, um, that language and phrasing of demands that I just talked about, um, social skills, recognizing sort of distressed behavior and when a child is beginning to escalate and helping to sort of rein that in. But there are also strategies in these books that can be used with all of students, right, and not just PDA children. So this is a way that you know these things are not just PDA specific and that minimizes like extra time usage or like the potential for students to think that one child is getting special treatment um, which are some of the the concerns that educators have presented previously um, as far as you know dealing with PDA in the classroom. Um, The chapter summaries um, are in there which kind of give you an idea of of what might work best for you but you also have the these activities that are listed throughout um, are you know really useful for busy staff and we know that you know as educators it's it's a busy world right and so this is these are things that can be implemented within that busy schedule so when presenting pda to children it can be a challenge so may i suggest Can I Tell You About Pathological Demand Avoidance Syndrome by Ruth Fidler and Phil Christie? This one is aimed at a younger audience. It follows an 11-year-old girl named Issy who has PDA and is explaining to other kids to help them understand how she experiences the world. This is a great one for helping siblings to understand PDA. Uh, The reading level is for seven years and up. So this is a good one to read with the family if someone has been diagnosed to help sort of bridge that gap of misinformation. There are also uh, tips for families or professionals to help them better, uh, for them to help and support kids with PDA. Another great one is Pretty Darn Awesome, Divergent Not Deficient, Understanding Pathological Demand Avoidance on the Autism Spectrum by Lauren O'Grady. Uh, This can be a good one for both helping a child understand their own PDA or other children to understand uh, PDA in someone else. It's about a boy with PDA, his struggles, but also his strengths. And I love the highlight of the ways PDA can create strengths. My son used to beat himself up so much because he wasn't like everyone else. And teaching him that his alternative or his alternate view Um, or approach to life could be positive and not just a negative thing is still a fight but it's something we're handling as a team Uh, for those who have a child that is diagnosed a bit older or those wanting to help broaden an adolescent child's understanding of their own diagnosis uh, there's Me and My PDA A Guide to Pathological Demand Avoidance for Young People by Gloria Dura-Villa and Tamar Levy the authors of this one worked with PDAers and their families when compiling the book. And the aim is to help younger PDAers uh, engage with the material and develop healthy coping strategies, uh, self awareness, and understanding. Um, and it also points out something we've highlighted here, which is that there's no sort of hard and fast, one size fits all form of PDA. Uh, the age range for this book is 10 years and up, and it's one that I hope to use with my son when he gets a little bit older to keep his outlook on his neurodivergence um, within a more positive light. So. This is a short list. There are so many more. Um, but what I've tried to create here is a well rounded list that provides looks from all sides of the PDA experience, whether that is a PDAer, a parent, a teacher, or other professional. Um, there are others that I could not include for the sake of time, but I'm hoping that this list is a good starting point for those searching for information on the topic um, that dive a little bit deeper than, you know, some of the the broader resources I've presented before. Um, Next time, we will have Dr. Jessica Mizak from the Help and Healing Center to give us a look at PDA from the medical perspective, which I am very excited about and I hope you'll all tune in for that. As always, you can email me with any questions, comments, constructive criticism, or concerns at perpetuallydeterminedadvocate@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And until next time, remember, in a world where you can be anything, be kind.